singing tonight. There we go. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 tonight. We're back to God series and we're kind of picking up with back to growing. It seems we've had a lot of Sunday night um, activity with different speakers and all kind of things taking place. Next week will be no different. We'll have uh, uh, just a tremendous speaker with us next week. You'll enjoy him. And uh, some of you may remember Brother Coral. He showed up on a Wednesday night, I believe it was, a number of, a couple, three, four years ago now, we were over in the annex and uh, he came by. He is the, um, uh, I guess the, um, I don't know if you call it the writer of or the editor of uh, the Revival Fires uh, magazine or, or paper, newspaper. It's kind of like the um, Sword of the Lord and uh, he does one of those, has been doing that for years and years and uh, you're going to enjoy him. He's written a number of books and just as a real great uh, Bible mind, very practical, down to earth, uh, makes things uh, just kind of puts them right where the rubber meets the road, if you will. So I know you're going to enjoy him, and he'll be with us not only in the morning, but he'll be with us also at night. 
So I want you to plan on being here. Again, bring somebody with you. Let's fill this place up and let them be blessed and encouraged by it. There'll be materials, I'm sure, available as well. So if you uh, like good uh, reading materials, I'm sure you'll want to spend a few dollars on his table there as well. But uh, we're looking forward to having him in. And again, it's not one of those things that I necessarily planned. He called me up, and we have a kind of a relationship like that. I know him from a couple places, from football camp and things. And he said, Preacher, listen, I've got a situation where I'll be coming through the area. I'm looking for somewhere to, to preach or, you know, whatever I can do. If I can be a blessing to you, that'd be great. And I said, Brother, I told you to call me anytime you're in our area because he's just that hard to get a hold of. Let me just say, he's not one of those guys that you just call up and he shows up. He is booked for two two years or more out, I'm sure. And so he just, one of those fellows just happens, he had a cancellation and the boy, I said, boy, would that be all day? He said, yeah, if you want me. And I said, I want you all day. So he'll be with us all day next Sunday. And uh, I just think it'll be a great opportunity for us to glean and grow in the things of Christ. Okay. So second Peter chapter three, we're going to begin in verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. But as long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for a new heaven and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our br- beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, Seeing ye know these things, therefore, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. The passage, obviously, is addressing some times that are still ahead of us. And we are very well aware that Sadly, things aren't necessarily going to get better. They may just get worse before they get better. And in this case, he's warning us that the fact is is that we're going to be facing some doctrinal problems. We're going to be facing some attacks within. We're going to have to deal with truth and things that are not true. And we better be able to judge between them and we better be able to discern between what is right and wrong and good and evil and uh, true doctrine versus false doctrine. And so he's warning us, he's preparing us, he's readying us, and he's also stating that, listen, there's a future and this world's going to be burned up. We ought to prepare for that future. And we need to study now to shew ourselves approved unto God. We need to make sure that we're in a position where when it all, the time as we understand it ends, we can look God in the face, so to speak, and Hear him say, well done. And so at the end of this passage here, he begins, he he tells us something that's extremely important. He says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The believer is to be growing then. In spite of the circumstances you find yourself in, doesn't matter what kind of obstacles we face in the life in which we live. Although our world may be going in the wrong direction and the, 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 the society and the culture is becoming more decimated with sin, it, it's not, that's not the issue. In our lives, we have something very simple to be focused on and doing consistently, and that's growing. We can't allow other people and other circumstances and the world situation to discourage us or to keep us from fulfilling our role and responsibility and obligation to God. And that is to grow. 
You and I need to be growing consistently. We need to be growing every day of our Christian life. We need to be growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, at any time when you cease to grow, you begin to stagnate. It's as though, like water, you take over there in the Middle East, in the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is, is stagnant, and as a result of that, it's a, a water that is useless. You, are, you don't want to do a whole lot in the, the Red Sea, the Dead Sea. And you know what? There has to be movement. There has to be direction in our lives. And we need to be growing, because if you're not growing, you're becoming stagnant. You're going nowhere. Someone says, well, I'm just, being, I'm just being patient. I'm just waiting. No. If you're not growing, then you are going backwards. If you're not going the right direction, you're going the wrong direction. And the child of God must continue to grow in his knowledge and experience, and is also in his or her attitude in order to maintain spiritual health. And so we noted that, we discussed that, we talked about that already. And we said that growth is not necessarily tied to experience or time. Although we realize that as we grow older in our lives, practically speaking, we experience a number of other things, we have the privilege of learning a few things along the way. In the Christian life, however, maturity is not necessarily based on the length of Christianity. You can be a Christian for 20 years and still be a babe in Christ. You, you don't necessarily, have not necessarily grown simply because you've put the time in just coming to church. That, that, see, there's the, a difference here. The, the fact is, is that growth is something you have to focus on and you have to determine in your life you're going to do. Just like basically a, a good teacher, preacher, or disciple, let me tell you, um, the greatest threat of growth is satisfaction in our lives. It doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what position you hold. You get satisfied with where you're at, you're going to stop growing. And you've got to keep asking yourself, how can I improve? What else can I do to draw nigh to Christ, to know him better? So we have to examine ourselves and we have to constantly look for areas of weakness in our lives. I mean, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What do I have to change in my life? Those are important questions. And when it's all said and done, the fact is, is that change is essentially the process of altering our, our, our habit patterns. So we're going to have to change some things along the way. If we want to grow, if we're not growing, then we need and we want to grow, then we're going to have to change something. So you're going to have to change your patterns. You're going to have to change your behavior. So what kind of habits do we need to incorporate in order to experience continual growth in our Christian walk? Well, I want to consider some, fundamental, some fundamentals of growth. And we began the first week that we did this. We said, first of all, consistent time and scheduled time of Bible study is needed. If you're going to grow, you need a, a consistent time and a scheduled time of Bible study. Not just reading the Word, but studying the Word. We also said we need a consistent and scheduled time of prayer. If we're going to grow and if we're going to ultimately know him better, we're going to have to spend time in his presence. We're going to need to spend time on our knees. We're going to need to spend time praying. And you know, you may need to have a list. Maybe your memory's not that good. Maybe you write out a list so that you have a prayer list and you can remember what you need to pray about. You need to spend some time listening, we said. It's not always us talking that is effective. Sometimes it's good in prayer just to listen. And we said also with this consistent and scheduled time of prayer, you may want to meditate on some scripture and use scripture in your prayers. Maybe you have a, a, a very, uh, just a, a chapter that you love in the word of God that is in a sense of prayers. Many times in the book of Psalms, boy, you can take those Psalms and you can almost pray those Psalms and they can make them your prayer. Now listen, we're not about, you know, just saying words redundantly over and over again, again, vain repetition. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'll tell you what, there's been times in my life, and I'm sure maybe even in your own life, where a particular passage in the Word of God was just, it hit the spot. It said exactly what your heart felt. And you took that psalm and you laid it out in front of you and you just prayed it to God, boy. Well, I tell you, that can be effective and that can be helpful. But again, we've noted a consistent time, a scheduled time of Bible study, a consistent and scheduled time of prayer. Those are essential to uh, growth in our Christian lives. Without those things, we will not grow. And tonight I want to begin 
with a third one, another fundamental of growth. I believe another fundamental is to read. To read. Not the Bible, but to read. And I'm going to express and explain that just a little bit. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd just help us. I'm sure, Lord, that in this crowd tonight, Father, everyone wants to grow. Everyone wants to know you better. So, Lord, help us, Father, to glean that we might grow. And help us, Lord, to take in. Maybe there's something we're not doing. Or maybe there's something we're doing that we're not doing well. Lord, help us to identify areas of weakness in our life and seek to strengthen those so that we can grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll thank you. We'll praise you. In Christ's name, amen. So the, the third one is read. And I'm talking about you and I need to invest in ourselves. You need to make a personal investment in yourself. One effective way to do that is to read books that promote growth in your life. Books that instruct you. Books that will inspire you. Books that may empower you or challenge you. You need to find other books, materials that can challenge you, inspire you, and ultimately even instruct. But it's important that we do these things. Biographies in your life, certain biographies of great men and women of God will inspire and challenge you. I mean, they will truly do that. We recently just read a book uh, about how I know God answers prayer by a woman by the last name of Go Forth. Talking about missionaries, and I'm talking about we read that book in our singles class for our, our uh, book of the month. And, 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 and we read about this family, the Go Forth, that went to China in 1900 and spent 18 years there in China. And they, they told us all kinds of stories about how God intervened and supernaturally stood in their place and helped them in the midst of great battles and strife and conflict. Their very lives on the line, and yet God supernaturally intervened. Let me tell you something. That instructed me. That inspired me. That motivated me. That made me say, boy, what a weak sauce kind of Christian I am. It's time to get tough in the things of Christ and face the world with boldness. Amen. Wow, I mean, that, that, that biography was powerful. Matter of fact, I'm going to get with Miss Liz, and I'm going to order probably about 40 of them, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to get the book. I believe not only do missionaries, not only do pastors, not only do staff members, not only do college students, but I believe every single believer would do well to read that book. And it's not long either. It's only about 100 pages. So that ought to make everyone excited. <laughs> Study aids. Study aids and helps will instruct and empower you. Doctrine, books about doctrine will educate you. Boy, books are so important. Listen, either way, no matter what it is, read. The, we know this truth. Leaders are readers. Harry S. Truman made the statement, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. The right influences are essential in our lives. They're absolutely necessary. Now listen, you can pour water on a tree and it will grow. But pour hydrochloric acid on it, it'll kill it. You put hydrochloric acid on a tree, it will kill it. I want to give you a warning tonight. I have witnessed on more than one occasion good men and good women who have gotten on the internet and read after authors that subtly led them astray. I've watched it over and over again. Before you knew it, they were questioning the King James Bible. They were questioning confrontational soul winning. They were questioning the need for ecclesiastical and also personal standards in their life. And the list could go on and on and on, the things that they found on the Internet that ultimately influenced them against those fundamentals. Needless to say, they have moved away from the fundamental beliefs that they had once practiced and promoted. And I've watched it over and over again. It's sad to watch that, by the way. Someone that grows up in a very fundamental, sound, biblical Baptist church, before you know it, because they started kind of surfing the internet, having certain biblical questions, they got on there and just started listening and reading after anyone and everyone, or possibly got involved in some kind of, bapt, of, some kind of Bible college that was not fundamental in their position. Next thing you know, they're questioning every fundamental the doctrine of doctrine that they grew up with. 
And that's sad, and that is a reality. And let me tell you, you need to be careful who you read after, who you follow. Listen, just not everyone is going to pour water on you. There'll be some that'll be pouring hydrochloric acid on you. Now listen, nobody will argue that the web provides many opportunities to glean information. However, there is no guarantee that the information being gleaned is good or beneficial. Again, I am not a uh, negative nanny when it comes to the web. I'm all about utilizing it. I like uh, being able to access information. I think there can be some tremendous positive aspects to it. But listen, if you frequent frequently random uh, go to if you frequent excuse me if you are frequent and okay I got to say this right let me just see if I can read what I said here because I think I might have wrote it wrong written it wrong excuse me written it wrong let me see let me read this because this is crazy let's see I said if you frequent random no see that's wrong already no wonder I say it wrong because I didn't write it properly if you randomly Frequent, wait. If you, <laughs> okay, if you're on these websites consistently, let me just say it that way. If you just are going to websites consistently that are, 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 are you know, just, okay, I've got a question and boom, you just go to just any website. You start checking it out. I, I want to warn you that you are really, you're really playing with fire. You, you better be careful with that because if, if you're seeking Bible answers and you just kind of popping this and going to this one, going over here, oh, that looks interesting. Boom, 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 boom. Let me tell you something. You're going to run into a lot of authors that do not stand according to the Word of God. Amen. You better be real careful. You're in grave danger. See, not everybody on the Internet is fundamental in their beliefs. And you say, well, that's why I'm going, because I want to find out what everybody believes. Okay, you just keep doing that and see where you end up. Then find out where your family ends up a generation from now. See, that's the real danger. You better be careful. And I wouldn't let my kids just go up and do random research on biblical topics on the Internet. I wouldn't let that happen. No, you need to control what they're reading and what they're seeing. There are some dangerous people on the internet right now that are leading young people away from true fundamental doctrines. You better be careful. I'm telling you, just beware, parents. Don't let your teenagers just get on the internet and ask stupid questions like, whatever, I don't even want to go into them. Be careful. So, a good place to find positive and good material, and here's the plug, here's the plug, is in our bookstore. That's a good place to find positive, very good, productive material. Ms. Cavanaugh does a superb job of finding and making things available. And those books will better you. You won't have to be too concerned about those. I'm telling you that right now. Whether you believe it or not, you are putting something in all the time. I'm putting things in all the time. You say, well, I don't read anything. Yeah, well, you still have television, radio, social media, news feeds, the world around you, people, everywhere you go, somebody's feeding you something, feeding you something, feeding you something. You better make sure that you are feeding yourself with something positive and productive, biblical, spiritual. Read things. Get, get a book and read it. Get a good book. Get a, get a recommendation from Mrs. Cavanaugh. Get a recommendation from a staff member. Get a recommendation from a Sunday school teacher. Find something that will, has helped them and read it yourself. See if it doesn't make a difference in your life. And someone says, I'm a big boy and I'm a big girl. I don't need anybody telling me what to read. I don't need this. I don't need that. We'll leave that there. You know what that sounds like, don't you? Come on, we got to be careful with those kind of attitudes. That pride and arrogance will sink you every time. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So we need to read. So we want to grow. So... Consistent in time, a consistent time and scheduled time of Bible study, a Bible study, consistent and scheduled time of prayer, and then just read. Read the kind of materials that will encourage you, grow you spiritually. Make an investment in yourself. Spend a little money. Buy the kind of materials that will make a difference in your life. Then number four, learn to love preaching. 
If we're going to grow, we need to learn to love preaching. Not endure preaching, but love it. There's a difference. You know, there's a, yeah, I got to go to church tonight. Oh, great, we got a missionary. Wonderful, yeah. <laughs> we got this preacher coming in next Sunday. He's probably going to preach long and windy and... You know, uh, you know where I'm going with that? I mean, and if you know him, you'd know he's quite capable of it. He won't because he's, he's going to follow the Holy Spirit's leading and the Holy Spirit's me when it comes time to determine what, how long we do the services around here. These college students, we make it clear to them. We tell them all the time, you get up and we tell you that it's 15 minutes. You say, well, the Spirit led me to go 30. You won't be up there preaching no more because the Spirit of God spoke through us to you. You follow the leadership. When your parents tell you to do something, teenager, you don't say the Spirit told me to do this instead. No, your parents told you that's God speaking through your parent to you. So you don't disregard leadership because you use the Lord as an excuse. I'm not a real fan of that kind of stuff. So learn to love preaching. Don't fall asleep at church. Don't do that. That's right, brother. Amen. That's good. Amen. Dr. Al Folson, or uh, Dr. Al uh, Fasol, excuse me. He's a retired preacher, uh, preaching professor. And he wrote about a true story of a man who experienced a rude awakening in church one night. He generally slept in church, this particular fella. So he dropped off like he always did. Only this time, a power outage left the auditorium in total darkness. The pastor, he didn't use notes anyway to preach. He kind of just studied and prepared and he just kind of kept it up in his mind. So he just kept right on preaching. Even though there was no lights, he just kept on at it. So everybody just sat there, figured, well, sooner or later the lights should come on and we'll just go ahead and listen to the preacher. We were listening anyway. What's the difference? Somewhere toward the end of the sermon, the groggy parishioner, he kind of woke up. He rubbed his eyes, but he couldn't see a thing. He heard the preacher, and he could feel his wife and daughters on both sides of him, but everything was pitch black. In a state of panic, he stood up and he said, Help me! Help me! I'm blind! <laughs> and exactly that happened. Laughter filled the room. And uh, the story, the, the preacher goes on to say, One complacent church member experienced revival at the altar of embarrassment. And one blessed pastor enjoyed poetic justice. <laughs> We've got to learn to love preaching. Now, I know sometimes you come into church and you're dragging. You've been up all day. Maybe you didn't sleep that night and it's hard. I know you feel like falling asleep. I get that. But no, still, you love preaching. And if you do fall asleep, it isn't because you're bored. It's because you just can't stay awake. There's a difference. But I'm going to say this. You know, the bottom line is, is we ought to love preaching. We ought to be at every service. We ought to go to Sunday school religiously. We ought to attend all revival and special speakers. Can I say something? Listen, listen, listen. Can I say something? You don't have to agree with this, but I'm going to tell you something. I personally can hardly understand why somebody would want to skip out on an opportunity to hear truth as a believer. We spent, there's 168 hours in a week. And, and, and on Sunday mornings, we have a 10 o'clock Sunday school that lasts for 45 minutes, and unless you're in my class. And then there's an 11 o'clock preaching service that lasts for probably preaching-wise, probably no more than 45 minutes. And may I ask you something? Why in the world would somebody stay home for Sunday school? I don't get it. You say, well, I don't like that because I don't come. Well, guess what? I'm, I'm saying, why in the world wouldn't you? If there's not a physical problem here, then there must be a spiritual one. Oh, preacher, you, you're judging me? I'm not judging. I don't even know who you are because I'm not out in this room. I know there's some in my class that don't come, and I don't understand that for the life of me when they would have the privilege of hearing me. <laughs> I make it so fun. <laughs> okay, maybe not all the time. But anyway, it's wonderful. Why would you skip out on Sunday school? You know, there's a number of folks that come just for Sunday morning. A bunch Boy, I tell you what, it would do them well to come to Sunday school too. Couldn't hurt, that's for sure. We ought to love the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. If you're going to grow, you have to learn to love preaching. If you're going to grow, you have to learn to love teaching. Number five, we're going to grow. We've got to keep growing. 
So how do we do that? Well, attach yourself, attach yourself to someone who is at the next level. Attach yourself to someone that's at the next level. Now, if, if you're so spiritual that there's nobody you can even think of that you can attach yourself to, then maybe you ought to talk to me about that and say, Preacher, could you be honest with me about my spirituality? I'll ask you a couple questions, and I think we'll get to the bottom of it real quick. I don't think there's any of us in the room that can't attach ourselves to some folks. Even the pastor attaches himself to some people in the sense that I, I read after certain folks that can help me, encourage me, instruct me even in so many ways. Now, I don't have necessarily folks I run to spiritually and say, oh, brother. I don't share my problems with people. I know that's not, you know, I'm really not about that. I go to the Lord. I've got a good wife. I'm very blessed like that. I've got parents that are solid and faithful. I've got in-laws that are extremely wise as well. I've got a tremendous network of spiritual people around me. I don't talk about problems in the church to people. I don't deal with stuff like that. Your issues with me stay between me and me and you. I, I don't even share those with my wife. That's our business at that point. It's between me, you, and God. I get all that. But even I have to go to some people and I say, man, what, what, what about this issue biblically, scripturally? Where does the Bible stand on this? I'm, I need some insight. I need some understanding. And there are some people that I'll go to, like Matthew Henry sometimes. Do you know who he is? I may run to him. I may run to a man by the name of Phillips. I may run to a few others that have written some things and shared some things and understood some things through the years that have proven themselves to be faithful through their lifetime. And I want to dig into their mind. I want to understand what they have to say about those things. I need insight as well. We all do. We need to attach ourselves to folks that are at that next level. Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. See, the disciples attached themselves to Jesus Christ. And that produced success in their lives. And, and, and with the exception of one, of course, Judas. I just want to encourage every person in here that does what they can to try to bring folks along spiritually. You're investing in lives. And I say Jesus invested in some lives and it didn't work. And I say that Jesus had a son, if you will. The son of, he's called the son of God over there in the book of Genesis. He placed him in a perfect garden, a perfect environment, and he still sinned against his father. I'm just saying, don't, don't for a minute misunderstand that just because you're doing the right thing, you'll get the right result every time. Now, you can't make people obey and you can't help people. You can't get people to, uh, to, you know, through the alphabet, so to speak, unless they want to. You can only help people as much as they want helped. But you and I today, if we're going to grow, we need to say, you know what? If I want to be a better parent today, I need to look for somebody that's doing it God's way and then watch what they do. And I need to attach myself to them and ask them those kind of questions. Maybe you didn't grow up with a kind of father that was a biblical father. Maybe you didn't even grow up with a dad in the home. Maybe you didn't grow up with a mother in your home and you were raised by your daddy. Maybe you don't understand how it is and what, you know, uh, maybe how to be that man that you ought to be. And you're struggling with that today with your family because you didn't see an example of it in your life. And you know what the Bible says, but you're having a hard time figuring out how to do that or apply it in your life. You better attach yourself to somebody that's doing it God's way. If you want to grow in grace and you want to grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and you want to become everything God wants you to be, find somebody that's doing it God's way, not doing it the way you want it done. And you say, boy, I'd like it done that way in my life. No, it has to be the way God wants it done. Then do it that way. Attach yourself to people who are doing it. You want to be spiritual? Find somebody that's spiritual. Attach yourself to them. They're at another level. Every Timothy needs a Paul. Every Timothy needs a Paul. And by the way, the Bible says that the aged women are to teach the younger women. See, we all need somebody to mentor. We all need somebody to guide us. We all need somebody to look up to. Not just Jesus Christ, we need each other. The aged women, the Bible says likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine. Thank you, ladies. Teachers of good things that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. The aged women are to teach the younger women. Every one of us, every Timothy needs a Paul. Every woman needs an aged woman. We all need to be moving in that direction if we want to grow. 
What else? What else can help us? Well, if we're going to grow again, fundamentals of growth, you want to grow in Christ, then you need to establish friendships that will, will encourage your walk, in, uh, your, your walk in Christ. You need to establish friendships that will encourage your walk in Christ. Okay, in this case, we're not talking just about a mentor. We're talking about somebody you're going to spend a little time with, people that you're going to allow in your life, and they're going to influence you because you, when you say someone's your friend, you're permitting them to influence you. Now, I'm a friend, if I'm a friend to you, then I'm going to use my friendship to influence you. If I say you're my friend, then unfortunately, uh, if you're not the kind of friend you ought to be, you're going to influence me the wrong way. But if you're the right kind of friend, you influence me the positive way, the right way. So it's important that, that we, we pick the right kind of friends, that we choose our friends. Do not let people choose you. Like, don't, don't, let, others, don't, don't let others choose your friends for you. You choose your friends. Don't let someone come up and say, man, I want to be your friend, and I want you to be my friend. You say, well, I'll be your friend, but I'll have to pray about whether you're mine. Let me tell you something. You don't have to let everybody be your friend. And somebody says, that's cold and calloused. Let me, let me ask you something. What is a friend? Let's talk about friendship for just a moment. There's a difference between being an acquaintance and a friend. You know what there's a lot of in our church? Acquaintances. Very little friendship. Friendship is a time where you spend your, your time getting to know people at a different level than just, hey, how you doing? Great to hear. I'm sorry to hear about your mother. I'm sorry to hear about your dad. Oh, wow. You know, I'm sorry that that happened. Sorry this happened. And well, you know, oh, I hear your son's going to school now. That's not friendship. Friendship's a different level than that. Now, listen, I, 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 don't, I don't think everybody, you don't have to be friends with everybody because you don't have the time to be everybody's friend. But we all need some friends in our lives that's somebody that we can trust a little bit, somebody that we can uh, share our burdens with. The Bible says, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I'm just saying friendships are important. If you're going to have a friend, make sure you choose who that friend is and make sure that friend is going to encourage you because true friendship ought to put you on the road to success, not lead you away from it. Amen. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Now, I could have a raise of hands in this auditorium right now and ask you this question. I could say, how many of you have allowed someone to influence you in a negative way growing up? At any point, I'm not, whether it was as a child, whether it was as a teenager, whether it was as a, 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 a single, a young single, whether it was at college, whether it was at Bible college even, you permitted someone in your life and you basically befriended them and they kind of led you a different direction than maybe you thought you were going to head. And you found yourself a little different in your life, a different place in your life than you thought you'd be. Or you did some things that you thought you'd never do. And you know what? I bet you across this room there'd be hands of people that have lived a little life that would say, you know what? I've run into that. I permitted myself to be influenced by someone I called a friend. And I found out later they weren't really as much a friend to me as I thought because they weren't leading me in the right direction. I ultimately found that my companionship, my friendship with them led me in the wrong direction. Well, I'll tell you what, your friendships are so important. On July the 6th, 2011, a hiker by the name of Brian Matayashi Brian Metayashi. He was attacked by a female grizzly bear near the Whippity, Whippity, Wapity, excuse me, Wapity Lake Trail in Yellowstone National Park. You know it's a real story when I can't pronounce the names. Because if it wasn't, I would have definitely made that easier. So anyway, he was attacked by a female grizzly bear near the uh, Wapity Lake Trail in Yellowstone National Park. He and his wife were visiting the park as hundreds of thousands do every year. Apparently, they surprised the mother grizzly and her cubs. The National Park Service issued a statement saying this. In an attempt to defend a perceived threat to her cubs, the bear attacked and fatally wounded the man. See, though the man did not intend to harm the bear or her cubs, that bear didn't know that and instead responded accordingly to her nature with fatal results. 
Do you know the Bible teaches us something very important about friends and associations? As dangerous as it is to cross paths with a mother bear and her cubs, the Bible tells us that it's even more dangerous to cross paths with a fool. Over in the book of uh, over in the book of Proverbs, chapter 17, verse 12, the Bible says this, Let a bear robbed of her whelps meet a man rather than a fool in his folly. You better be careful who you allow to influence your life. On the other hand, it's important that you establish the kind of friendships that will encourage you in your walk for Christ. If you are in a relationship now with someone, and I'm not talking about husband and wife or boyfriend, girlfriend, or I'm talking about just friendship. I'm talking about just you have some friends and they're not helping you to encourage you to go the right direction for Christ. You are not becoming better for the Lord. You are actually moving further away. You're not, you're not getting more sturdy and strong in your convictions and in your standards, but instead you're being systematically desensitized to truth and you find yourself moving away from those things that you were taught by your parents or possibly learned from the word of God in the church house. My friend, you ought to get rid of that friend. Because that's no friend that you need. And I know that people say things like, well, you know what, we're supposed to be Christians. We're to love everybody. You can love them without allowing them to influence your life. Go ahead, meet up with that bear and her cubs. She's going to rip you to shreds. The Bible says that person who allows a fool to basically influence their life, (laughs) they're worse off than a man that meets a bear and her cubs. Can two walk together except they be agreed? That's a good question. and We know what the answer is. It's been said, show me a teen's friends, who a teen's friends are, and I'll show you who and what they will be in a year. Sadly enough, let me tell you what. That's not so untrue with adults, too. Finally, let me just give you this last one. Again, just some practical things. I mean, if we're going to grow, if we're going to truly uh, uh, become the Christian we ought to be, there's some fundamentals of growth that I think are helpful, some basic fundamentals. First, a consistent time of Bible study, a consistent scheduled time of prayer. Talk about the fact that we need to read, be encouraged by good books, We need to love preaching and learn to love the preaching of the Word of God, the teaching of the Word of God. We need to attach ourselves to someone who's at the next level. We need to establish friendships that will encourage our walk with God. And finally, we need to seek some wisdom from God. If you're going to grow, you need to seek His wisdom. And um, in May of 2012, a 32-carat Burmese ruby and diamond ring that was part of the collection of Lily Safra, one of the richest women in the world, was sold at an auction. Now, the pre-auction estimate for the sale of this particular ruby was three to five million dollars. But the final sale price ended up being 6.7 million. Can you imagine that? A ruby, 6.7 million dollars. It is believed to be the most expensive ruby ever sold, at least at that point. As valuable as rubies are, and they are obviously valuable, the Bible tells us that wisdom is far better and more valuable. See, no earthly treasure can compare to wisdom because nothing else offers the same protection or benefits and blessings that wisdom does. The Bible tells us over in the book of Proverbs chapter 8, verse 11, for wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. That's pretty straightforward stuff. We have a $6.7 million ruby that sold in 2012. $6.7 million. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't mind having $6.7 million in my bank account. That's pretty valuable. But the Bible says... For wisdom is better than rubies. Do you know how many people have sold biblical wisdom for rubies? Do you know how many people have given their, give, sold biblical wisdom, which is basically the, 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 the proper application of knowledge? Do you know how many have sold out the Word of God and the application of the Word of God in their life, wisdom, for just a relationship? 
with the opposite sex? Do you know how many have sold out wisdom, the proper application of biblical knowledge for just some friendship with someone in the world? Or possibly for the ability or opportunity to make money as a sports figure or to be involved in some kind of business or some kind of financial venture? Just throw it all away so that we can become rich of this world's goods? Listen, that is not, there's nothing new. That is just the oldest story in the book. And although we may sit here tonight, the truth is we may be selling wisdom out for something far less valuable than that. Wisdom. Boy, if you want to grow, you need to be wise. The Bible says that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, it shall be given him. Man, you got to ask God for some wisdom. I need to ask him for wisdom. We want to grow. And what we learn today is this. If a baby ceases to continue to grow, then we got a real problem. If you've recently had a baby or a grandchild that was birthed and all of a sudden about six months or a year later they stopped growing, you'd go, wow, we got to get them to a doctor immediately. There is a serious problem here. But may I say in the Christian realm, we have folks that are being birthed into the body of Christ. And six months after being birthed, they still haven't grown. And one year after being birthed, they still are not growing like God intended them to. And three years and five years and ten years, they still have yet to grow in Christ. They have no more wisdom now than they had when they first trusted Christ. And may I say today that there is a serious problem. And you know how we judge it? Through our Christian eyes. We look at them and say, they're good people. They're good. And we dismiss the responsibility to address the issue of no growth. We watch them not growing. And we just say, well, we don't want to make it look like we're judging them by telling them, wow, no, don't tell them anything. Go to them and Befriend them. Try to get closer to them. Ask them a few questions about their spiritual life. Help them to recognize and see that there's no growth here. Because someone comes to church doesn't make them growing as a believer. That's not growth necessarily. People can stay sitting in a pew for 20 years and they can tithe and they can faithfully attend, but they may not be growing spiritually. My friend, if that's you, I'm going to tell you something. It's not you because you're here tonight. But if, if that was you, then let me say this. You need to ask yourself, am I truly growing? Am I in the, fulfilling the purpose and plan of God in my life? And let me tell you, according to the, the, the passage we read, he simply tells us, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What have you done in the last three days to grow? To grow in Christ. To grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What have you done in the last three days to do that? What steps have you taken? And again, I just want to challenge you to realize that when we all get to heaven one day, we will not look back and say, I am so happy I made a good living. Made lots of money in my life, Lord. Had nice cars, Lord. Hey, nothing wrong with those things, by the way. I don't think, I don't think you have to necessarily not have them uh, to be a good Christian. I'm just saying that when it's all said and done, if that's our goals in life, we've got a problem. Our goal shouldn't be to attain a bunch of worldly things because the world's going to only burn up. Our main focus ought to be growing in Christ, knowing him. And the only thing that will keep you and I from truly experiencing growth in our life is us. I know. I go to church and I don't get anything. The pastor doesn't feed me. 
Our teacher at Sunday school doesn't feed me. Let me tell you, if you're not being fed somehow, some way, that's no one's fault but your own. Now listen, there may be a need for some further investigation and, 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 and uh, digging into the Word of God on the part of a pastor or on the part of a teacher, but let me tell you something. If you're not growing, it's really not their fault because you have a command to grow yourself. You should be taking steps to personally grow as much as the pastor and as much as they, uh, the, 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 the teachers ought to be reinforcing things and encouraging and instructing in areas, and it ought to happen. Don't misunderstand me. Do not blame anyone for your failure to grow because you have a personal responsibility to grow. When's the last time you read through your Bible? When's the last time you prayed for more than 10 minutes? When's the last time that you dug into the scriptures and studied a passage out because it didn't quite click when you read it? Or there were words that you didn't understand, so you looked them all up, and then you started tracing that word through the word of God. I mean, when's the last time you studied? When's the last time you memorized scripture? When's the last time that you were so sensitive to the Lord that you passed a track out to somebody at a gas pump? I'm just saying... Let's quit blaming people for not growing in our lives. Let's quit saying that it's the teacher's fault or it's the pastor's fault or it's my husband's fault or it's my wife's fault or it's because I have all these kids and I never have time to ever get in the Bible. No, it's no one's fault but your own. It's my fault if I don't, your fault if you don't. And praise God, he did place people in our lives to help us. And we pray and trust that Community Baptist Temple will continue to be a place where folks can grow in their faith. But even if... In that sense, we didn't. We'd still be responsible to grow. So grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's be, let's get back to growing. Let's take it and make it personal. Let's say no matter if my husband, my wife, my kids, if anybody, my friends, it doesn't matter what they do. I know for me, I'm going to grow. And I'm going to take steps to grow. Let's do that. And uh, some of these suggestions might help. And you may have others as well. And if you do, and they're working, then maybe it's something you eventually need to share with others that you have influence with. Because we all need good suggestions on how to keep growing for Christ. We all do. I know I do. Well, let's get back to growing. And I know in growing, we'll please Christ. Father, we come to you.